The text today um, comes from John chapter 13. I'm going to finish off the chapter. If you remember, we went from John chapter 13, 31 to 35 last week. Um, I'm going to do 36 through 38 to finish off uh, the chapter. And so the verses read as follows. It says, uh, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Uh, very truly, I tell you before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. I'm going to read verse 38 again. It says, then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Today's title uh, poses a question. Are you ready? Are you ready? In parentheses, is the more you know. The more you know. Amen. So at this point in the text, um, after Jesus has ushered uh, what we refer to as a new commandment, uh, the commandment to love each other as I have loved you, uh, he has dropped this uh, bomb. He has dropped this raising of the stake, this raising of the bar. He has challenged them to approach love differently. Um, and Peter, in a very Peter-like fashion, seems to miss the point. Uh, if you know anything about Peter, you know that he has a knack for missing the point of what Jesus is trying to say. He kind of half listens um, and, and, and misses the heart. Uh, Jesus was calling them to a deeper uh, form of love. And Peter is more concerned about the fact that he cannot go where Jesus is about to go. He, he says, the text tells us that Simon Peter asks, Lord, where are you going? He didn't ask for clarity about uh, the call to love deeply. He didn't ask more about what it meant. He didn't ask for example. He's like, wait, Jesus, where are you going? Uh, and Jesus replies to him, where I am going, you cannot go now, but you can go later. Where I am going, you cannot go now, but you can go later. And I can imagine as a disciple what it felt like um, as a person who had been following Jesus up to this point, who had followed him everywhere that he went, that now Jesus was telling me uh, that I couldn't follow him. And so Paul, I mean, so Peter has now focused in on the fact that Jesus was leaving and that Jesus was going somewhere that he couldn't go. And the thing about this is that if Peter had been paying close attention when Jesus was teaching and talking, he would have known where Jesus was headed. So this is another indication that Peter didn't quite understand what it is that Jesus was doing. He didn't quite understand Jesus' mission and purpose or Jesus' direction. He, he wasn't quite fully connected. He was there and he was present and he had seen the things, but he didn't quite get it. And so he's like, hey, Jesus, where are you going that I can't go? Where, where, where are you about to go that I can't go? I was with you in the uh, house of uh, Zacchaeus. So why can't I follow you here? The thing about this is that Jesus um, 
shows a skill that I believe that we should all adapt to. Uh, Jesus knew his disciples very well. I think the important thing that we can take from uh, verse 36 is how important it is that we know the people that we serve. Uh, that we know the people that we are called to serve. Uh, we see two forms of knowing in this part of the text. Uh, the first thing that we see is that Jesus knew his disciples so well, he knew what they were capable of and what they were not capable of. He knew their strengths. He knew their weaknesses. He knew when they were ready and when they weren't ready. Jesus knew his disciples extremely well. And so though Peter um, makes express the genuine desire to continue to follow Jesus on this next uh, leg of his journey, Jesus understood that Peter wasn't ready. Jesus understood that Peter wasn't quite sure uh, what he was asking for. And so Jesus says, hey, um, you can't go now. You will go later. Um, Peter is missing that Jesus says, hey, you're going to go soon, but you're not going to go now. Because there was more things that the disciples had to learn. Uh, if you remember, uh, this conversation came after the foot washing. And here's the thing about foot washing, brothers and sisters. Uh, there takes a certain level of relationship to wash somebody's feet, right? Because I don't care who you are. You can come to me with the sandals on and long hair and a beard and look like Jesus' twin brother and say like, hey, brother, I want to wash your feet. You're not getting close to him because it depends on the day. Because I'm going to be honest, I can't remember the last time I clipped my toenails, right? And so when, so when you want me to take my shoes off and let you wash my feet, the first thing I want to think about is like, wait a minute, because the big toe was gray. The second toe might... <laughs> The, the, the second one might cut you like, I don't, I, 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 there's a certain level of comfort that comes when somebody wants to, to do that to you. And if I'm being honest, right, some of us have those days where we are running so late that we're like, you know, well, I showered yesterday. I didn't do too much. Maybe I can get away without a shower this morning. Don't act like I'm the only person in here that will just kind of like, you know what, do one of these numbers. I'm good, right? And, 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 and so we know, so this area might be okay, but you know, you throw, throw the sweat socks, they call them sweat socks for a reason, right? So you throw the sweat socks on and you put them in your favorite shoes, like these, when I take these shoes off, I need to be by myself. So, so, so there's no way without some level of comfort that I'm going to submit to an impromptu foot washing, right? Here is why I bring this up. Because what Jesus is trying to get them to understand is that the act of foot washing is just not about the act itself. It's about proximity. Jesus had a proximity to his disciples to the point that they were so comfortable with him that they allowed him to serve him in that manner. Uh, it takes proximity to build a relationship. It takes proximity to say that even in my weakest moments, even in my darkest moments, I will allow you to serve me. In other words, part of our ability to love and love each other the way that Jesus loved means that we have to have the type of relationship and a type of knowledge of the people we're hoping to serve that we feel comfortable allowing ourselves to be in relationship. And that doesn't come with distance. 
So, so, so I might let feel, I might, that's a strong might, let feel wash my feet. Because I trust Phil enough to know that he won't judge me if my feet stink. <laughs> Maybe, right? And, and, and I know that we're laughing, but there's, there's a level of comfort that comes when you are able to share, like, hey, you know what? Things aren't going right in my house right now. I need prayer. Hey, things aren't going right in my relationship right now. I need you to give me some advice. Things aren't going right with my money. Things aren't going right with my job. I, I, I can't get out the bed in the morning. I'm feeling a little depressed. I'm feeling a little down. I'm not feeling the presence of Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus was, in, was asking the disciples to be in relationship with those they were trying to serve in such a way that there was so much relational capital capital, it didn't matter the state that they found themselves in, that there was a comfort in the relationship there, that they were okay serving each other. And we have to ask ourselves the questions then, are we building those type of relationships? Are we building those type of relationships with each other? Are we building those type of relationships with the community that the community is even okay with us serving? Because how can we provide service when people view us as strangers? Jesus knew his disciples so well. He knew what they were capable of. So he also knew that Peter was asking to do something that he didn't have the character or capacity to live out because he didn't care enough about folks yet because he was still inundated with the call in and of itself. It, it, it was cool to follow Jesus. It was cool to be a disciple. He had seen Jesus do miracles, but he hadn't seen Jesus bear the cross. There, 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 there was more to come. And, and, and it reminds me of how important it is then to not only know the community that we are called to serve, but if you read verse 37, Peter then asks, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Peter is now making this declaration that he really doesn't know how deep it actually is. Brothers and sisters, it's important for us to know ourselves. Because oftentimes we think that we are more capable than we actually are. Uh, our, our egos, our self-inflated um, self-worth will allow us to think that we are ready for things that we're not ready for. Peter is now making this declaration of solidarity that he was not ready to commit because he didn't fully understand what it meant. So he couldn't go where Jesus was about to go because he didn't even understand where Jesus was at. He, he, he was still struggling to understand where Jesus was at, so he couldn't understand where Jesus was about to go. And Jesus is saying, hey, slow down. It reminds me of the church I grew up in. Grew up in the Inglewood neighborhood, and you might be familiar with it now because it's often in the news because of violence and things like that. But historically, Inglewood was a middle class, upper middle class neighborhood. The Presbyterian church that I grew up in then was full of uh, upper middle class African-American professionals, principals, lawyers, doctors, uh, law enforcement folks, things of that nature. 
When my dad became the pastor in 1985, 84, 85, uh, he came in with this heart to say, hey, uh, there's a community that we haven't really been in touch with. Like, wouldn't it be great if the community knew that we were here and we could serve them? So he had all these ideas about all these programs. We started uh, feeding homeless folks on the weekend and we started programs on the summer to get kids off the street so they would be safe. And the funny thing, uh, about it was the folks in the church like, oh, this is so great. Yes, all are welcome. Let's do it. Until folks start showing up that didn't know church etiquette. Folks that started showing up and they didn't have on a certain tie and the dresses. Folks would start coming in. They smelled like the club from last night. Sometimes that was me, but that's a different sermon for a different day. Folks start showing up and you could clearly smell the alcohol on the breath a mile away. And all of a sudden, people started getting tight. People started getting uncomfortable. People started getting uh, judgmental. And it's like, oh, well, we wanted to serve, but we didn't know that's what that meant. We wanted to care for the community, but we didn't know that that meant that some of the homeless folks that we had been feeding would actually show up on a Sunday morning. We didn't know that opening the doors to uh, our community meant that the way that we did life together was going to change. And so uh, we had uh, agreed uh, to a mission that we thought sounded cool, but we had not done a self-examination enough to know how we really felt and how we were going to respond. Now, ultimately, we navigated it with some tough conversations Uh, But we made it through. Uh, But it makes me think about us and how the conversation in our denomination about uh, diversity and inclusion, things like that, sound all good. And we're all about it until it actually starts to happen. And it's like, oh, yeah, everybody's welcome. This is great. Until the folks that we welcome start to change the way we do stuff, start to change our culture a little bit. And it's like, ah, wait a minute. Hold on. The music's a little bit too loud. Sermon's a little too long. X preaches a little bit too loud. He moves around too much. Why does he wear gym shoes in the pulpit? Etiquette. Etiquette. All, all of these different things that, that, that change what we think church is or the way that we expect church to be when people start showing up because we say all are welcome. And so they're like, oh, cool. And so we realized that we had a couple caveats on that that we didn't know that we had. Jesus understood that in uh, this call to love and this raising of the bar, uh, that sometimes we would allow our egos and our lack of self-awareness to make us, uh, what they say, write checks that our accounts can't cash. And then we realize we have to put some more funds in the bank to cover all the things that we've said. Peter was notorious for this. Peter then uh, so makes his death to Lord. He says, Jesus, I will die for you. I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus says, oh, really? 
We often think that we are ready for things that we aren't really ready for. I, I don't have to look any further than my own marriage. If this is you, just look forward so we don't know that you agree with me. But I, I remember going to premarital counseling and my pastor lovingly saying, like, oh, maybe, you know, you all should think about this. No, I, I love her. Right? Because love conquers all. Love helps us get through anything. I quickly found out when people said love isn't enough what they meant. <laughs> She's talking about herself because I'm perfect. Uh, but, I, but, but, I, but I remember those first couple of years being rough, and I, re- I remember the warnings that I got from my parents not to not do it, but to make sure that I understood the commitment that I was making, uh, because the thing that I realized when I got married, I didn't realize how selfish I was. Like, some of our biggest fights would be because I went to lay down and my house shoes were gone, and I couldn't understand why she had to wear my house shoes or my sweatshirts or why she was on my side of the bed. Right. Why? Like, why are you logging into my version of Netflix? You got your own login. You, so now you just took my shows out of sequence. Right. The, 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 the parts of life that we have to share. And these are like really small, minute because I don't because listen, if I start going into the to the gory details, we might be up here. I, I might. I, so I, I'm trying to keep it light. But y'all know what I'm talking about. Right. It's, 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 it's one of those things that I, that I, because I was in love, I thought that it would handle everything. But there was so much more that I had to learn about myself in order to live into the call of marriage adequately. Jesus is trying to get Peter to understand that there is more to what you see than you know right now. So I can't let you make this commitment just yet because you're not quite ready because you haven't seen everything yet. Because, again, he has seen the miracles. He has seen people return sight. He has seen the lame be healed and be able to walk. He has seen uh, the feeding of the 5,000. He has seen all of these things, but he hadn't seen the cross. He hadn't seen the cross. And so when he says, I will lay down my life for you, Jesus is saying, listen, will you? Because I would let you know, by the time that the crow uh, calls, or the, by the time the crows, quacks, whatever crows do, the sound that they make, <laughs> three times you will deny me three times. And he, psh, and we all know what happened. We know this event that lives in infamy in life of Peter, that sure enough, uh, Peter, the one who was the most boisterous, Peter, the one who was the loud mouth, Peter, the one who was the most zealous amongst the disciples, uh, when he was met with the challenge, he didn't even want to be associated with Jesus. It's a wonder why Jesus was telling that he couldn't go with him just yet. The interesting thing about this, though, is there's a theologian that said this. He says, without a prior life-consuming experience of God's love for us, we will be singularly ill-equipped to love anyone. Peter had not seen the ultimate act of love and sacrifice just yet. Uh, He had seen all of the other stuff, but he had not seen the cross. 
And brothers and sisters, I don't believe it's until we see those cross moments in our life when we've experienced the love of Jesus Christ uh, so deeply that we actually have the ability to love the way that God is calling us to love. It's not until we feel it so deeply. It's not until we experience those moments where we don't want to wake up in the morning where we wish that we were dead, when we wish that things would just come to an end, until we feel God's hand resting on us, giving us the ability to move forward, that we understand what it is to love the way that God is calling us to love. It's not until we see the world in need around us and we feel the pain of our brothers and sisters if it was our own, that we have the ability to love the way that Jesus Christ was calling them to love. It wasn't until Peter stood at a distance and watched his Savior die on the cross because he loved us that he understood the magnitude of what Jesus was saying and why he could not yet go where Jesus was going. John 21 tells another story. It, it, it tells the story of when Jesus first reappears to the disciples. And in this story, you all probably familiar with this. It says that the disciples had kind of scattered in in a dejected way, went back to their prior lives. They were out on the boat. They had been out there all night and they hadn't caught anything. And it says that a voice from the shore yells out, hey, throw your nets on the other side. The disciples didn't throw their nets on the other side. They catch so many fishes, beginning to drag the boat down. They can barely keep the boat afloat. They start to pull the fish in as best as they can and make their way back to the shore. And then Peter notices, oh, wait a minute, that was Jesus. It's Jesus's frying up some salmon fillets on the shore. He, he, he recognized Jesus, and then he begins to make his way. He's jumping over the waves. He's jumping over the waves because he sees his Savior, and he's so excited to see him because now he understands. Now he understands what it meant. Now he understood the sacrifice. Now he understood the call to love. Now he knows what it means to sacrifice. Now he knows what it means to lay it all down. It's not just being ridiculed and laughed at. It's not just being talked about. It's not just going without, but it's sacrificing to the point of the cross when you love so much that you're willing to lay down your literal and physical life in order to see people in relationship and connected to God. Peter understood now. He sees Jesus and he makes his way to the shore and he sits down and Jesus, even after being crucified, his first act with the disciples is serving them once again. This time is some salmon fillets. And after they eat breakfast, Jesus now knows that Peter understands. And he says, hey, do you love me more than these? Of course I do, Lord. Then feed my sheep. Do you love me more than these? Of course I do, Lord. Then feed my lambs. Do you love me more than these? Of course I do, Lord. Feed my sheep. Peter, in that moment, not only understood the magnitude of the sacrifice, but he understood the magnitude of forgiveness. 
Because even though Peter had been with him and didn't understand what Jesus was doing until it was, under, until it was too late, he understood now. And because he understood, Jesus on the shore over a breakfast of salmon commissions Peter to be a vessel of the gospel. Jesus knew that Peter was ready. But Peter wasn't ready until he had a life-transforming experience of God's love. And it was because of that life-transforming experience of God's love that Peter would go on to be the apostle that he became because he was now guided by an experience of love that was so deep that uh, no division that the world could create could overpower the love that he had. And brothers and sisters, when we think about what we are called to, we have to be guided by the love and not just the mission. Because without the love, the mission is purposeless. As a matter of fact, I believe the Apostle Paul said it best in Corinthians chapter 13. He says, I can offer my body as a burnt sacrifice, but if I have not love, I have nothing. He says, if I speak in the tongues of angels, but have not love, I am nothing but tingling brass and a sounding gong. What he was trying to get them to understand and in this moment that as you are making this commitment to serve me and follow me and follow the path that I go, you have to have an understanding of love that's so deep. And you can only understand love that deep if you allow yourself to experience it. And it's in that moment when we think back to the times in our life when we have felt God's love the most that we're able to draw on the power of love to serve others. Jesus needed to know that his disciples knew the essence of what love was. He couldn't just send them out. He needed them to understand what they were getting into. Brothers, this is, I think, for me, that the only reason I'm able to do anything in the kingdom of God for the kingdom of God is because I've had those moments when I felt like all was lost. I've had those moments where it felt like nothing was going to work, that nothing was going to change, that it was over. This was it. I don't care what happens at this point. And I felt the very hand of Jesus Christ reach down and say, no, 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 son, I'm not done with you yet. Mm -mm -mm. It's, it's, it's not over yet. Don't give up yet. I'm with you. You are not alone. I'm covering you. I'm guarding you. And brothers and sisters, I think if we just take time to take inventory of our lives, that many of us have been at that point more than we care to admit. And that's where we serve from. We can have all the knowledge in the world. We can have all the experience in the world. We can have all the plans in the world, but we serve from a love, and a love that's so deep, a love that's so rich that it changes us. Peter was a great disciple, but it wasn't until he experienced the fullness of the love of Jesus Christ 
that he was able to fully be the disciple that God had called him to be. It wasn't until he experienced the fullness of the love of Jesus Christ that he was able to love others the way that Jesus loved him. Amen.